Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez, and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast, a podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things, all while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The Wine and Chisme Wednesday. Hola, hola, mi gente. Welcome to another episode of the Wine and Cheese podcast. I am very excited. You guys know that we love our authors here on the podcast. We love our creatives. We love everybody. Let's just be honest. We love everybody, but we love our creatives as well. And today I have Luz Mack. How are you, Luz? I'm so good. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so excited. thank you for being on here I'm so excited to have you on here and talking about all of your different things so quick question how did you find me it was through Rita Bautista from Latina Podcasters I was so excited when she shared about your podcast and also how much there was synergy not only because what you're doing is not only for the Latina community and Latina women but it's mostly how can we highlight our cultures through everything we do. And I feel like that's something that it's so Rita. So when she finds Latinas that are doing the work, she's like, you guys got to meet. And there we go. I love that. (laughs) Yes. I love being part of the Latina podcasters community. You know, I literally was part of it from the very, very beginning before it turned into a podcast network before when it was just like us getting together, sharing our ups and downs and tips and tricks and all of those things. And now to see it grow into what it's growing, like what it has and what it will grow into is like so rad and so exciting. I'm I'm so excited excited to be part. I'm so happy to be part of it. I have to just say one of the things I really admire from Rita is that she didn't give up. She took a time to just get really centered and focused on how she wants to direct her goal for the podcasting network. And it really says a lot about people in business. Like once you get clear on the vision, the growth is just inedible. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm I'm excited to have you here. Okay. And I know we were talking beforehand. You were girl, you came just came straight from a workout. So you <laughs> yes. are not drinking. But it's okay, I got you. I got you. (laughs) I I still wore my little loose Mac. Let's read books. (laughs) (laughs) Well, don't worry. I have you. I got you. Because today I am drinking a 2014 Chardonnay from Herencia del Valle in the Los Carneros part of Sonoma County. And this is a pretty happy... I make it sound sexy, right? Right. You said it's sexy and... (laughs) What I had yesterday, did you know Snoop Doggy Dog has a wine? Like I yeah, his 19 Crimes. He's part of, yeah. I had it yesterday. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Okay, is- then there's an app that you can actually go to. And yeah. then if you put it over any of the 19 Crimes labels, it comes to life. And it what? tells you a story. Yeah, girl. You know all the wines. I mean, <laughs> you know, since I'm not drinking with you, but I'm drinking with you in spirit, my 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 drug of choice would have been, uh, lately has been a Kentucky Derby. I've been really into those and making them at home. I really love Moscow mules, but really summer is whispering angels rosé because it ain't summer. They ain't no rosé in your hand. You know what? I had last night, I went to this place called the university club and it's Mm -hmm. in, in San Diego. And I had this whiskey drink that was Ooh. really, really good. It was whiskey, but it had strawberries in it. 
It had honey. It had turmeric and some basil. Girl, it was so good. It was very. Was rich. it like a lemonade? Like a like? A, did it taste like? Did it? Give no, it didn't that, taste like, like lemonade. Um, you could definitely you could taste the whiskey, but it wasn't like overpowering. Yeah, it wasn't overpowering. Just those flavors blended so well, and it was refreshing. such a refreshing drink. And I was like, "All right, I'm gonna try it." And I was like, "Wow!" I was really blown away. And now I'm gonna have to like have my boyfriend make me that every once in a while. He's a bartender. Oh, so I'm, Our, I'm we lucky. Him, like add this drink. So I forgot to take a picture of what all is in it. So my friend is going back. I think today or tomorrow, and I'll be like, take a picture of that those ingredients. Cause I need, you know, I love my wine, and that's mostly what I drink. That's probably what I drink like 90% of the time is wine. But sometimes you just, I mean, you need you something need else. You cocktail. just want to change it up. Yeah. Sometimes you just need because girl, let me tell you, when I have a hard day, that's what it is. When I have no, when I really am having a hard day, I am a dirty martini woman. I haven't got so into the dirty martinis, but I've been doing the the lychee martinis and the like the fruity martinis, like just plain dirty martini. I'm like, that's strong. Like that's I'm not when you know when I ask when I go to my boyfriend's work, I'm like, give me a dirty martini. He's like, damn, baby, you okay? <laughs> yeah, I, I just I haven't graduated to that level. So truth be told, I grew up Mormon. I didn't start drinking until like way, way later in life. I'm in my 40s now. And because I never grew up seeing people drink, it wasn't like something I was accustomed to. I do want to say like, I really enjoy wine. And that has been my passion as an adult. And I keep, I didn't raise my kids very religious. I raised them to appreciate religion. But I, I try to tell them, like, once you get older, I want you to drink responsibly. Because yeah. I think, like, it's it's a disservice when we shelter our kids so much, you know? Like, they they don't know how to behave themselves in, in, social, <laughs> in social settings. Well, and I to think that, that's salud, I think that's Salo. very important. I, I poured myself a heavy one today, too. Ooh, that looks good. It's very like golden. I don't know if you could see it. I can see the golden. Yeah, it's so it 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 looks really pretty. Okay, I'll drink water. Sorry, mm. had to work out. Not very. <laughs> water is needed. That, that is one of my favorite drinks. That's mostly all I drink, and I feel so bad for my boyfriend because all he asks for he's like, you know, he'll drink soda and stuff. I'm not a soda drinker, and he's like, at least bring some like Lacroix, some something, but. I'm going to have to bring something else into the house. So he has something else because I just, I'm a most, I drink water and wine, look, look in the Lord's footsteps. <laughs> you know, what's good. Uh, a mint julep with a uh, ginger ale Ooh. and a big, a very cold ice cup for, Oh yeah. This on one is rocks. really, really good. I'm, I'm it really enjoying the Chardonnay. If you think you're having ginger ale when you taste that, you're like, oh, that feels really vibrant. <laughs> yeah. And my mouth, like a party in my mouth. Well, let me tell you, I'm normally not a Chardonnay person, I'm not gonna lie. But I've realized as long as it's not 100% barrel aged, I can drink it because it brings out like a lot of oakiness, a lot of butter, you know, that buttery, heavy flavor. So if it's like, if it's half and half, or steel barrel aged, then I can do that. And this one, you can definitely tell it's been some barrel aged, but it's still really light. Like I, it's not heavy in my mouth. It's not super buttery, which I appreciate because I'm not like a buttery Chardonnay person. And I know people are. And I would yeah. say, you do you. I am not going to judge you on your the wine that you're drinking because the best wine is the wine that you like. <laughs> exactly right I am curious since you are a wine connoisseur <laughs> how many wines are made and created from Latino creators or black and brown so in regards to you yeah so um I know that there's probably more than what we have on our directory I created the first directory Latino wine brands based in the U.S. not outside of the U.S. based in the U.S. and there it's 0.2% of wine that is made is owned by Latino winemakers. 
uh, or Latin owned brands. So right now that's about 80 I have on our directory and I'm always looking for more. I know that there's more out there because, and here's the thing too, they're pretty much all micro vintners or all micro wineries. Some of them have distri- very small distribution, but as far as that really huge distribution, they don't mm-hmm. have that. So I will say to anybody watching or listening, the reason why it's so important for us to support black and brown. And I do have, I think I do have a link. I may have to change. I'm have to update that to um, a link of the hundred top black owned wineries. And I'm actually going to be working with Uncorked and Culture because it's so important that we have black and brown representation, right? And beyond, mm-hmm. right? There's Asian wineries and you know, we need to make sure that we're supporting all of them because there's enough room for all of us to succeed, for everybody to succeed. I hope you don't mind that I'm jumping in. No, not at all. Because of the lack of distribution, not only for Latin X and Latinos, Afro-Latinos or black and brown, I want to say there are some wines that are just made home. They have no distribution. Right. And one of them that I grew up seeing was from Haitian homes. And to me, that was interesting because those recipes are only shared within the home. That is something, you know, I could confidently say, I'm sure your palate hasn't tasted. Oh, I, yeah, I completely agree with you. I would love And they're really hard to get because you have to be in El Caribe to enjoy that. And because Haiti is one of an island that has just been, riddled with so many like you know catastrophes that's mm-hmm. what the women do to support themselves at times and I wanted to share that information for you specifically and it's not something I share like often because I talk about books that is my that is my jam right but right. you know being prepared for this podcast I was like I know she might not know this and and it's not something that has a label like that's widely sold Rad. I would love, so if anybody knows <laughs> mm-hmm. about some, you know, getting some Haitian, please let me know. That's rad. No, I probably have never tasted anything like that. I always love those types of things because one of the things with a lot of these black and brown um, vintners and like even Asian vintners and stuff, is and something that we talk about pretty often is because a lot of these wines not only can you pair with what you would normally traditionally think pairs with it but a lot of these winemakers because of how they grew up and the palate that they grew up with it oftentimes goes with so much more you know enchiladas obviously ceviche tostadas i'm sure there's like so many the Haitian wine, I'm sure it probably goes with a lot of Haitian dishes because it just, it has that sazon that nobody else is going to really, really know, you know? Yeah. I love that. I love that. So if anybody knows, but I want to kind of jump back because now I'm going to get into your chisme, girl. Oh, sure. I guarantee your chisme because now obviously the first thing is you said you grew up Mormon. Yes. And I don't know. So I went to a high school where there were a lot of Mormons, but I don't think I've ever known any, maybe one. Okay. Hispanic Mormon. Yes. Like until <laughs> recently, like my Thea and I think my cousin are now Mormon and one of my friends, but that's it. Like, I don't really know many Latinos that grew up Mormon. So I want to hear like, how was that? So having being raised Mormon and how did that intertwine and inter intersect with being Latina? Like, I want to hear that. So my family is still like very deep rooted. Like when I say my family, my mom, my dad, like, and uncles and some cousins from my dad's side, they're very Mormon. And my parents held like very high roles in the church. I want to say that as a child, you know, you kind of do what your family is doing right like right you know and i remember my grandmother was deeply catholicism was like and i was baptized catholic and then i got baptized again and i got baptized at eight which is traditional for mormons and one of the things that was weird to me is that i didn't understand how white the mormon church was until 
I got out of New York City. Because when I grew up Mormon, I was growing up with everyone was Dominican, everyone's Puerto Rican, everyone's or other, right? And and uh, Washington Heights ha- has a huge Dominican population. So that's why I say the majority was Dominican. Mm-hmm. So when I went to Brigham Young University for one of their smaller satellites you in went Idaho, to BYU? I went to the BYU. I was 8% minority in a campus of 8,000 students. And I believe it was 8%. And I never forgot that number. It was the first time I was so, I had a very hard experience. Although I met a lot of good people, it was really hard for me because one, I didn't dominate English at that age. I graduated high school, not really knowing English. And a lot of people were like, how can you do that? Like, have you grown up in New York City? Like, you don't even need, like there's some pockets in New York that you never need to speak a lick of English, right? I graduated Kennedy High School. At the time it was like the it high school, like, you know, not for education. Everyone was coming from um, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, immigrating from different parts of the country. But it was primarily, kids were actually learning their subjects in Spanish. So there was a lot of that going on. So growing up Mormon, like I did respect the fact that, you know, there was a lot of sheltering that I didn't know that I was going to appreciate till later in life. You know, like the fact that I didn't see or didn't really understand people that were like engaged in like, like crimes and things like that. And the reason I'm going to say crime is because now that I look back and I'm living in the Bronx with my family, I do live in a predominantly neighborhood that has been associated with a lot of crimes. I'm not ashamed of it. I want to uplift my community. And I believe in that. But I, because I didn't see that, I didn't understand the struggles that come with that. You know what I mean? And I think that's one of the things that I really, I really feel like I missed that opportunity to know at a younger age, how to be around other people that might not be like me or have other problems. Also, I didn't really understand mental health struggles and to have those honest conversations till like I kind of like went away from the church because a lot of people that grew up religious centers everything around the church. And I'll give you an example. Tú estás deprimida. Va moral, mira esta escritura. En esta escritura dice esto. Amen. And you pray, you do yeah. your thing. And I know I'm being a Pray the pain away. Yeah, but, and don't get me wrong. There's great articles that the church wrote about mental health. But like to know the physiology and the genetics, you know, some people are more predisposed to depression than others. Like those are hard facts. That's not religious facts. Like those things are important. So I think that's like what I'm trying to say. I wish that that matter of realism was more available to me as a young child, you know? Right. Because you don't really understand why humans are the way they are. So then here I am. You don't understand it generally. And then imagine, and then when you're even more sheltered, like Sh- uh-huh. that, it may yeah, it yeah. adds an ad- additional level, right? Yeah, because then I heard people talk about things in the church that I was like, man, that doesn't sound like it will work like that. But you don't know any better, right? You're like young and naive, right? And then I go to a, a Mormon college and I see that there's a lot of privileged white people. And this is the part when I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this no more. I see people talk about And I'm going to be careful because I know this is going to be triggering. It's almost like people with brown skin are plagued as a sin. And they're like reading these things. And it was just like, you know, I never met Jesus Christ in person. I never met God in person. But I always felt closer to my deity or my God or my, when I used to see my grandmother, who was very darker than me, do good to other people. And I'm trying not to cry because... There were some messaging that I heard there that I would never undo, you know? I never heard the N-word till I went in those communities. So when I got out of those schools, I told my my sisters at the time, like, don't go there. Like, this is not for people. And I'm like the darkest one from my siblings. And people were offended because they thought it's like, oh, you weren't 
you weren't ready for God or you weren't ready for that kind of educational. Like it is a blessing. Like that was the feedback I got. And guess what? Years later, my mother met a dark Hispanic older man who said, oh my God, your daughter is not even lying. Like, <laughs> I was asked A, B, C, D. And I think that's what's the challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Because your experience is your experience, but whiter Latinos won't have that experience. Like if me and you are in a lineup and I have braids, I'm probably going to stand out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing that I think we within our community, I think more of us are acknowledging it, but so many still don't acknowledge the colorism that happens within our own community. You know, me being a light-skinned Latina, I know now people see my name and they don't see me. Oh, it's a whole different story when they yeah, see yeah. my whole name, right? But if they see me, I'm a safe, I'm safe to them, right? I can understand, which sometimes I'm like, no, I can't understand your experience. Sorry. But you have to recognize that you have, we have to like understand that there's certain doors that are going to open there are certain privileges and it sucks. It sucks because people see this, right? See your skin before anything else. And me and my friend, Tanya, were talking one time and Tanya is amazing. She's a Harvard graduate. She's a black woman. She's a doctor. She's a pediatrician. She now has her own, you know, successful practice in Dallas and everything. She's amazing. Love Tanya. And we were talking and based on our name, my name and her name, if people just heard her name, Tanya McDonald, would not think anything of it, right? They hear my name, Jessica Yanez, plus my other part of my last name, and they're already going to have a preconception of who each of us are. But then you flip it, they don't see our name, but they see our see us, it's totally different. And this woman is way smarter than me. She's just way better than, way better person than I am. Let's just be <laughs> just overall. <laughs> and, but just based on that, they'll automatically make an assumption of who we are. It's true. And, I, and I'm going to take it a, a, a place further. Someone asked me a question, based off seeing you, what have I overlooked? Ooh, I like that question. I and like I it thought, and I don't like it. Does that make sense? <laughs> but it's the truth. Because, yeah. and this is again, stepping away from religion, talking about psychology, talking about limited information that we're basing on people. Mm-hmm. People are not going to say, you are an author. They'll probably feel like, damn, she's sweating. She looks a mess. She must work in, in a kitchen. Who knows what they're thinking? But let, yeah. like, let's be be serious. It's a, it's a question that I was asked and I'm like, you know, I want to thank you for asking this question because we've been talking about ABCD subject, but did you know I'm an author? Do you know that I'm often overlooked for these opportunities and this and that it did. I was able to, um, win a grant. I was able to also persuade this person to even look after their own assumptions when they meet me. But this is just me. Imagine what happens to someone that's darker than me. Someone with a broken, broken, what you could call broken English that I don't call broken English. Some, someone that you could tell is definitely, definitely learning English still, you know? Yeah. And I think that's that's something that I challenge people to think a little harder when we talk about being good humans to others. Oh, absolutely. Wine break. Time to refill that glass and come back for more Wine and Cheese Me. Now, I forgot to read your bio because I, I really want to do that because it's. Oh, really oh sorry. Sorry. Yeah. And I just realized that I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't even read her bio. So let me read that <laughs> because we're getting into like all this stuff. But yeah. Luz Maria Mack, a, she is a Dominican children's book writer living in the vibrant South Bronx. She writes stories celebrating culture and language while affirming children. And she is always inspired by her amazing husband and three beautiful children. In October 2020, she won the Best Animated Short Film at Bridgefest. And in March 2021, her book, Pequeña Maria Descubre Su Baile, uh, which is Little Maria Discovers Her Dance, was featured on PBS's Chat and Learn program. She's also proud to have had the opportunity to collaborate with Disney Storybook art team to co-write 
Family is Everything. So the Disney Encanto picture book. Her latest book, The Secret of the Platano, was released in September 2022 and quickly became a number one new release on Amazon's in uh, on Amazon in Children's Central and South America books. She it was also included in the best children's picture books of 2023 by the Children's Book Committee of Bank Street College of Education. And she has been recognized for her work celebrating Dominican heritage. And she's excited to continue to share stories that inspire and empower young readers everywhere. And then she's also turning many of her books into 2D animations so children can see themselves in the stories and the content, which is really kind of threads what we were just talking about, right? In regards to seeing yourself, because you were saying like, just religion wise, everything that you grew up when you grew up, you saw you saw yourself. Then you go to college yeah. and you don't see yourself. How was that experience? Because obviously Utah and New York are very, very different, right? Washington, very, very different. How much of a culture shock was that for you? Just the area alone, but then beyond just not seeing yourself reflected in this higher education institute that you were at? I had no idea uh, the feeling of, a belonging and not only a religious community, but uh, being able to strive as a student was going to impact me in such a hard way. Although I buried those um, emotions really deep inside, it was something that I was like, never, it wasn't like something that I said, this is two years of my life that I was the ha my happiest, right? I was really sad. I was really sad because it's like, that's not who I liked. I didn't like being like that sad little girl who was becoming a woman who didn't feel that being Spanish was a good thing. Also, I didn't really understand racism and the effects it takes and the feeling of isolation, how it would impact my life until I left that place. And it's sad because it's really like supposed to be like one of the best schools right in this list but years later i found out like actually seven months ago that there's this account called black at byu and a lot of the feelings i felt are being shared by these black and brown students although their experience is uniquely tied to mine they're, they're using it in a positive way to kind of like i guess educate their colleagues some of the things that might happen or they might not necessarily see. But this is the interesting part. I'm an adult now. I'm in New York. I have children. I put them in a predominantly white institution for school because in New York, like the rest of the world, schools are not, they're not the same. They go to a private school. When my daughter is three years old, she asked me to dye her hair blonde. And to me, all those feelings that I had, this bubbled up again, like, oh my God, like, and don't get me wrong. We all want to be blonde as a woman, but like at three years old, that's a little too, yeah, <laughs> that's a little too young. Mine but was, I, uh, my, mine was my hair too, my insecurity because I have big curly hair and I wanted my hair straight like everybody else. And I would beg my mom, cry, beg, please, but nothing worked. Everything was temporary. And now I, you know, once I got to high school, I think I really embraced my, you know, embraced my curls more. Yeah. But, you know, guy, it's just so crazy. Even that young age, you, you know, you're different. But let's take the facts, right? Let's remove that my daughter's my daughter mm -hmm. and that we're in New York City in a wealthy school and a, a nursery school, a nursery school. Let's just call it what it is. She's three years old. How many students look like her or come from a Dominican and African-American background? It was her and one other child. Wow. How many of the kids in that classroom setting came from the Bronx? It was really us. Everyone else came from like the Upper West Side, which is an affluent neighborhood, right? Mm -hmm. And then I started thinking like the grander scheme. How many books are in the classroom that speaks to my daughter's experience? At the time, there were not. If we take a look at publishing in the last seven years, 
Latinos are 6% represented in books. Think African-Americans is nine. And it fluctuates, it goes up and down by little. And after Black Lives Matter, which helped all of us feel seen, it dipped down because that was it. Black Lives Matter made it up a little bit and then it dipped down. Why is that? Now we have white creators representing our stories. Uh, oh my gosh. Okay. There's just uh, so much. Please, no, just, you can just speak, girl. I'm just listening to you because I'm, you know, like you said, we all have our own experience and everything. Me being a light-skinned Latina from San Diego is very different than, you know, you being, you know, growing up in New York and, and our experiences. But it's so frustrating to hear that, right? It's so frustrating to hear that. I mean, I didn't have any books that were in Spanish growing up or that were bilingual Lingual. growing up, you know, that represented who I was. And I've said this before, like when I found, even like on TV, unless you're watching, am I... I'm second gen. So my mom, she would watch novelas every once in a while, but not really, right? I would watch them when I was at my friend's house. So even then, unless we put, my grandpa watched them. And when, unless I was with my grandparents, they were watching and, and they were watching something in Spanish because of the experience my parents had in regards to getting in trouble speaking Spanish growing up. Like that wasn't the first and foremost the first and foremost was you need to learn English because and we don't then, want you getting in trouble. Yeah. If, mm -hmm. if you allow me to share my screen, I'm just going to put give it to you very oh, yeah. visually. Last three, like 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021. The pink is for Caucasian or white. Animals come second. African-American, Black. Asian, Latinx, and Native Americans. Right? Let's. I did this nice little grid. Let me put it to you a step closer. Why is culturally relevant materials important? You're going to be like, let me give you the 2018. Look at the, now I'm going to show it to you. 1%, 5%, 7%, 10%. This is 2019. Wow. It's still 5.3. 5. 2020. That's when Black Lives Matter started. We went all the way up to 6%. Black people went all the way up to 12%. How about 2021? And then it went from 12 to 9% for the Black community. And then who created Dora the Explorer? It was a white man, wasn't it? This guy. Oh, that's the guy. Yep. He's not from Hispanic descent or heritage. I don't know if you know there's a new animation called Rosie's Rule. This is the writer and creator for it. And she also created Duck McStuffin. With a really? Team of people. These are it's all under It's one of those things where you're like, okay, it's a, you're, appreciate, you're appreciative that these characters exist. But if it was another, if it was a Black person who was creating it or another Latino who was creating it, they might not even exist. And so when sucks. I think about who are creating our stories, why can't it be a Latino? Why can't it be an African-American? Now we do, like we have Karma's Way, we have other programs. I'm not sure if you know the Owl House, which mm -hmm. is a new Disney, like, like it's, I think it was two seasons. The Owl House, they have a character who was meant to be Dominican and her name is Luz. But do you know who created it? No. I'm like, you're going to tell me. I know you're going to tell me, but <laughs> I don't, I don't want to just tell you. I want to show you, look, that woman, a white woman. Exactly. Yeah. And like I said, it's, and there's nothing. Yeah. Wrong. It's, it's appreciated that these people want to bring it, but it's sad but that, that it can't be brought by people within the community that, that a lot are of working that are doing it, you know, because right. if you see my animations, you'll be like, oh, these are very authentic. These are this and that, you know? Because they go by stereotypes versus their own experience. It's something they'll never experience. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, please don't be sorry. I mean, honestly, we had this when we had our LA event, our live event, which I'm gonna be in New York, September 30th. Ooh! Oh, that's my daughter's birthday. Can for we a live podcast <laughs> event? But I'll be there all week. I'll be there all okay, week. Okay, good. For live podcast events on the thirtieth. Okay, good. So I definitely need to see you and meet yeah. you in person. <laughs> but <laughs> um, 
in the LA event, we were talking about representation in media. And we were talking about, you know, how Latinos encompass, you know, 20% of the population. We percent represent even more in regards to media consumption, mm-hmm. almost 30% of media consumption, like ticket sales, movie ticket sales, stuff like that is from our community. Yet we're, you know, represented 5% of the time. And like you said, I think even in books, I think it's even less unless it's coming, you know, but I'm seeing this, this push, which I'm loving, um, like with Lil Libros and Mija Books and other authors who are writing things. It's like about the community, by the community, being bilingual and really showing kids that it's okay to be who you are. It's okay I'm- to be bilingual. It's okay to have big hair. Like I, again, yeah. me, I wish I I was made fun of, called fro. Even my own family called me fro, yeah. right? Or maybe not That's fro, true. but they would use other words. <laughs> my daughter's nickname is Cloco. I do want to say something. As we continue to grow in the push for diversity and representation for our books, I also don't want us to fall into the trap of doing the same thing white people are doing. And I have to say that in respects to even Little Libros wrote a book about Santo Domingo and they did not have a Dominican author represent the community. Yeah, that's super important because I look, I know for myself, I'm Mexican, like I'm Mexican-American, right? I grew up relatively close to the border, like, you know, and, but I don't know what it's like being Panamanian, I don't, Dominican, Puerto Rican, even though everybody always thinks I'm Puerto Rican before anything else, right? I kind of did too, I don't know why. (laughs) No, I I promise you, I get that all the time, time. especially when I'm in New York, especially, but it's, it is important to have that representation to, you know, I'm talking to my PR team in regards to the event and they're both from New York. They live in New York. They're all there. And we're going to have the event in Washington Heights. Oh my God. And I have some recommendations if you ever need any. Yes. That's so you do. <laughs> my thing was, okay, what can we do to make sure that the Heights is represented? Like I know nothing about it. One of the girls on my team, she grew up there. So I'm like, I'm leaning on you to help me like we need, we need to make sure that the community is represented. Right. And I can't bring, I can't bring representation from that. I can only bring who I am and what I want my vision, but I can't bring that, that vision to life. if I don't know what it is. If I don't have people helping me and guide, and if I don't seek that, right. Yeah. Then it will never get done. And honestly, like I, I do support, like just to go back, like in little liberals and things like that, because they are two wonderful women doing the work of bringing out Latino culture. But their books that they have captured, that I was kind of like, was there like there's a book about Cuban? Do do they had a Cuban author? Like representation goes, you know, there are 21, 22 cultures within Latino communities. Yeah, isn't there more? Isn't there more than that? Maybe I got it wrong, but please correct me. But if we're just concentrating on the amount of Latinos, mm-hmm. just imagine in publishing how many of us are missing. Yes. And how many of us keep getting no's. Does that make sense? Oh, no, absolutely. I think it it is really important that we do. And actually, that's, to be perfectly honest, yeah, 21 countries, you're right. Um, no, no, don't worry. It's just that I <laughs> no, I want to make so sure because well. I was like, is there more? But I wanted to make no, sure. Yeah. Like, I'm, now I'm, I'm like double checking myself, my facts, because one of the things that I like talk about is when we see publishing, when we see movies, when we see animation, another downfall is that we see the creators that are creating and they're sometimes the same. An example is Jennifer Hamburger. She created Rosie's Rules, Duck McStuffin. She's not even from the culture. And yes, she has a catalog of other books, like things that she created, which is mm-hmm. great for her and awesome. But like, imagine how many Latinos got to know. Yeah. And to make it kind of sink a little bit deeper, I'm just going to read to you this and you let me know when to stop because I am, I don't want to just <laughs> like hijack <laughs> about culture and language. But to me, these things are important because if well, we don't bring it to the I forefront. Think, yeah. And I think also that just it, 
it's fine because it leans into everything that you're doing, right? It's not like you in, in your whole thing, you say your mantra is when you see yourself, you know that you belong anywhere and everywhere. So it's super important that we're having this conversation because, you know, we're probably around the same age. I'm 45 and turning 44. See, yeah. So we checked the same box. We We checked the the same box. box. (laughs) But, you know, uh, in our time growing up, we didn't see, we didn't see anybody. Yeah. The Gerber baby was still this cute blue eyed baby. Mm -hmm. It was not the same Gerber baby. Also, Goya products didn't even have a mascot till recently. (laughs) So we grew up in all these things. It's a very, I will say this, Goya, I think is a very East Coast thing. Exactly. Because we didn't really have Goya. We had other brands here in the West Coast, or at least in, you know, growing up, we didn't have Goya. No, exactly. So Goya is our thing or adobo or whatever you want to call it. Or for us Dominicans, it's Mistoling. We even had a song, Mistoling, like that was our thing, you know, like, like if I talk about Dominican Republic, but here's my question. How many books, animations and movies and podcasts, I'm going to throw us in there because this is what we're doing. Okay. Represent the Spanish, Spanish speaking countries that should be seen and heard. And that means 21 Spanish speaking countries, which include Spain, Mexico, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, Panama, Cuba, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Argentina, Bolivia, Chile, Colombia, Ecuador, Paraguay, Peru, Uruguay, Venezuela, and Equatorial Guinea. So you're talking percentage-wise or number-wise? Even one that you know. One of all of these things. Uh, well, I mean, I think I know a little bit more than most just because of the podcast that I do, right? Exactly. Th- yeah. Th- otherwise, would I know, right? Because of the authors that I've talked to, because I know that the book, the books that they've, they've come up with, or obviously I'm part of a Latina podcasters network and Which I have I other was- Latino okay. podcasters, mm-hmm. black and brown podcasters that I know. So I feel like in my head, it's probably, I, you know, I, I know it's not enough. And I'm going, exactly. if I'm going by even movies, which is 5%, I'm probably, I'm going to say it probably hovers around that. I'm using the movies as an example. I'm probably saying 5% of the media out there is what represents us. There you go. That's the only reason I asked that question. And I don't try to write anything that I never lived. So I like want to see stories about Dominican Chinese people Mexican Iranian people. They exist. Oh, <laughs> I had somebody, yes, I had somebody on the podcast who is Cuban and Iraqi. Exactly. Come in all shades, baby. And she's a professor. With all language. Yes. yes. <laughs> so I I want to do that. I've been writing stories that are authentic to my family and what we lived here in the Bronx. And it happens to um support the ideologies and the experiences other Bronx kids have. And sometimes they are not all Dominican, but they relate because of the diaspora of being in the Bronx. Yeah. So I love you saying that because also one of the things I think is very important is sometimes we become our own worst enemy, right? Oh, I am. Because we're like, we want representation. Wait, that's not what I experienced. So I'm not going to watch it. Like, the movie Hentha, or not the movie, the show Hentified that was on Netflix. I was so sad. I, I was I signed so the, sad. I was so sad because I saw myself and almost every character, especially where I saw myself Lisa? in the chef. Jessica's was, like, character? Yes. <laughs> no, and I, oh, obviously I like my, my, my Julissa who was acting in it because she's yeah. Dominican. But like the guy that was always doing, I forgot the character's name, that he was trying to save the restaurant. Oh, the the chef. The chef. His name's Carlos in real life, but all of a sudden I forgot his name in the show. Yeah, I didn't want to say Carlos, but yeah, Carlos. I I understood that need of perfectionist and being tied to the old ways, but yet trying to do something new and modern for like the modern world. Like I understood that because Mija, who in my family's written a book, and you know something. (laughs) I'm sure you've also been like, oh my God, trying to explain to my mom what's a podcast, click here, click here, and you'll listen to me. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, let me tell you, (laughs) my parents, they went to the LA event. They had never been, they've never heard it. 
They didn't really know. They're like, oh, okay, okay. And then they went to the event and they saw this community that is being built. Yes. And heard, they saw me in my quote unquote element. My mom was like, oh, this is Jay's out. My family calls me Jay. Nobody really calls me Jessica, my family. And she's like, Miha, you're, you know, show my sister. Oh, Jay is so in her element. And then afterwards, my mom's like, Miha, I'm so proud of you. Cause she didn't have, my parents had no concept of what I was doing. It's hard to explain. And then now she's like, oh, Miha, I met somebody who should be on the podcast. <laughs> no, I have one funny. The first time I did a podcast, I didn't have my, my, my laptop that I have now. I was doing it on my phone and my mom kept calling and she was <laughs> upset. And she's like, tu and I was like, it was so bad. And she's like, Muchacha, dile a esa gente que te compré los libros y te dejen en paz. I'm like, that's not how it works, mom. That's not marketing 101. That is because, hilarious. Because when you think about it, that's why I related to that guy. He was hang, holding on to how his grand, the dad did things, right? And trying to make a modern twist to it. Yes. So I love that you were also, you had a short film. And... Mm -hmm. Girl, this is like freaking badass. Like, oh, I'll this show is you. so badass. You have a short film, then you worked in, uh, and one of your books was featured on PBS, and then working with Disney's storybook art team. And I'll show you, I'll show you because I'm it's just gonna do that because that's freaking rad. So, this is what I did my books, I believe in access to all, especially because. Come on, I grew up like in DR where people didn't have access to all these things and they still don't, by the way. So you um, did grow up in the Dominican Republic? Mm-hmm. When, how old were you when you moved to the States? I was like six or seven, but I kept going back. So that's why my experience was so unique. And even like when I relate to people, like as soon as I know they came from DR, I'm like, ¿Qué está pasando allá? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I feel like I'm missing my coro. Like I was excited that we went to Virginia y se fue la luz. I was like, oh, estamos en Santo Domingo, pero in Virginia. <laughs> like this whole You know, what, you know what's so funny is I love hearing everybody's different dialects, right? And I always say like uh, Puerto Ricans are very singy songy. And yeah. I tell people that people don't realize that a lot of the words that Puerto Ricans got was based on the sounds of things. And the musicality. Yeah. yeah. And Dominicans, we tell, we tell stories, boy. Like, <laughs> oh and my Cubans God. talk so freaking fast. I, you know, I feel like, and I'm like, oh, hey, no. <laughs> but we do that too, because I grew up in the era of calling cards. And when you buy a $2 card, you want to say everything you need to say before that card goes this. Oh, we didn't day. have the calling cards. We <laughs> would do the collect calls. Oh, no, and no. Then you're like, but you don't accept it. Like, it's like, say your name. Mama be home in 10 minutes. Or mama be home, I'm running late. Then you say that as the, as the name. I, we should have done that, but we were calling from long distance. But <laughs> no, you're making me laugh because that's, that's something I grew up uh, saying. Or mira. Si te queda traba, come calentado. Like, meaning, like, you're not going to eat the food fresh. <laughs> you're going to have to warm it up. But, yeah, so this is, like, my work. And I'll show you why this book got featured on PBS. But if you see it, I'm just going to skip it. It goes into English and Spanish, and I made sure it, it just was. It says dance and music, danza y música. Yeah, and this is what it shows. They oh keep dancing God. different dances. Te vamos a enseñar. Oh, my. oh I love the little boy playing the little, whatchamacallits. The... Yeah, la conga. This is the actually conga. bomba that they're dancing. Love this. And then this gosh, is cha -cha -cha. little girl with her curly hair. I, girl, I got you. Doing. Oh, my gosh. Okay, we're going to, I'm going to have to make sure I, ha I include this link in our show notes because this I'll, is so cute. I'll share all of it. This is Jarabe Tapatio which is one of the many beautiful dances from Mexico. And then it goes all the way into Joropo from Venezuela. Oh my gosh. I love, and, then, and I love seeing all of the different shades. And this is merengue. Oh my gosh. So the whole thing is discovering culture through dance. Oh my and, gosh. And I'm going to put that end. This is what we're highlighting the most. 
Mexico. So it's going through all the dances. Venezuela, oh. Puerto Rico, and then last with Dominican Republic. You see? Yes. And oh. then I'll send you my media kit that has it, but I make it this inclusive for everyone to enjoy. You don't yeah. have to have the book to enjoy. The book is an add-on because it has activities. And then right. like Santo and Sheepy series focuses on a story that I tell with my son that he got a little sheep. And this is where I live in the hood in the South Bronx. Oh my gosh. That is so cute. So how do people get your books? They are available on Amazon. I've been fortunate enough that a lot of my, the latest book, The Secret of the Platano, I submitted to publishers 75 times. The 75th time was my lucky charm. And I got accepted by one of the publishers. And now it's available in, in many bookstores and your local bookstore. Yay! Okay, well, you know what? We need, what is it that for the independent bookstores? Because we want to support our independent bookstores. Mm-hmm. I'll put that link in because I know I, I think I forget it's like bookstore.org or something like that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll put that on there as well because it's super important that we not only support our black and brown authors, our black and brown wineries, our black and brown bi- businesses, but also independent bookstores who, you know, are really in dire need because Amazon has just really kind of yeah, I mean, it's it's, great. Really- it's like a two-edged, it's a two-edged sword way. One side, it's really great. On the other side, it's kind of killed small business. So we want to make sure we include those as well. Thank you so much. And, and the one thing I'm going to say is that although I started as a self-published author, the mantra and the mission has grown to something else. Because mm-hmm. today my book got requested to be in Germany, like in a school in Germany, just to Congratulations. see how, how, you know, just to see how it's grown. Although I, this mission to me is dear in my heart. Cause like these books are not just books. They represent my family. They're my story. Mm-hmm. I challenge people to think about every children's author who's writing for that cause to think about it like that, because it's really supporting literacy and, and the best form in a relatable form, having yeah. culturally relevant books for our children to see themselves, experience their culture, and actually be excited to learn. To be honest, we shouldn't be reading Huckleberry Finn in 2023, 2024. True. That does I mean, not and, and you know anything. the thing is, as on top of that, right? It's so good for everybody to to read these parents, children, everything, because there's often a fear of the unknown. And that includes yes. people that we've never encountered. Yes. And if all you're seeing, all the media that you're consuming is saying black and brown people are bad, you're going to come away with that. Like, oh, black and brown people are bad. Like, and you've never met somebody from another culture, you know? So it's super important to expose if you're not around a lot of, I mean, the majority of this audience comes from communities of color, but if they're, if, if somebody is not exposed to that, they become afraid and they look at what media is telling them instead of doing their own, you know, doing their own kind of, I don't want to say research because you're not, they're not researching a person, but, you know, reading books like this and getting information from other places. So oftentimes it's unfortunate, but that's what the world is, but we need people like you (laughs) <laughs> and are so you know other authors to really share your experiences because those are so valuable not just to your daughter but to everybody else who's reading those books yeah i mean the books have grown into something else but being inside the classroom that's when it really solidified the work i was doing mm-hmm. seeing the response the kids were having one of the things i've noticed that teachers they have a hard job because they're working with a small budget and sometimes no budget at all with a large mm-hmm. classroom of 30 to 40 kids in public schools, especially here in the Bronx. And one of the things that worries me the most is that a group of those kids are not going to go ahead in life. And because our literacy gap is so huge, it mainly affects black and brown kids. So if we're not finding a way to inspire them and mom and dad are too busy to read a book or even give them a digital book. I'm not sure how our next generation of authors or creators or podcasters or movie creators are going to look like, but they might still not look like us. 
if we continue down this path. I don't even know how to, I, I don't even think I have anything to say after that because that's so, <laughs> how, okay. So one of the things that you said um, is you want to highlight how parents and teachers can drive to demand culturally relevant books that serves their school communities. Mm-hmm. How can like, there's a lot of things happening, but just focusing on that to ensure access to culturally relevant books and media. How can parents and teachers advocate for that? So in the Bronx, I'll give you the Bronx because I'm here in my local community. The percentage of Dominicans is at least 900,000. That is more Dominicans than the District Federal of Dominican Republic living right here in the Bronx. The books that they have available to them might be some culturally relevant, but I guarantee you the majority is not about their own culture. Now let's let's take a community that's not the Bronx, that is not black and brown. How are we teaching white kids to know other friends that do not come from their own community? Now our kids know white culture very well because we have no choice. The books, the majority of the books, you saw the numbers, yeah. those are the books. That's fine. We're learning, we're trying to understand but it's not happening both ways in some cases. So the best way we could do that is embracing one of another by culture. And I'm not trying to say that small town communities are not doing the job. What I'm saying is when there is no need because they're not serving a student, they might do a disservice by not even having it available. Ooh, girl, there is so much. Mi gente, please go. Go to Amazon, go to the link, go to your small bookstore, whatever you need to support like books like this. Um, You need to support movies that show our representation, even if it's not your exact representation, like Hentified. I loved Hentified. I am not from Boyle Heights, but there was definitely some representation that I could relate to. But I grew up second gen in San Diego, in a suburb of San Diego. Like my experience is very, very different than growing up in Boyle Heights, but I loved it. We had a whole conversation about In the Heights on our LA uh, live events. You can listen to that. But like all of these things, even if it's not your exact experience, if we want more media, if we want, if we want more media that represents us, we have to consume that media even if it's not your story. We can learn. We all need to learn. I need to yeah. learn. I know it so much. And I and I want to thank you again for having me and letting me share that. I also shared with you um, over email all my information in Media Kid. So if you know any schools or nonprofits or families that could uh, benefit from seeing even the YouTubes for free, please share it because books are should be accessible for all, not for yes. some. You know, honestly, the other thing that uh, I'll share with you is I'm part of this Hope Latinas cohort and we're doing our capstone project. And my group, our capstone project is to talk about representation within teachers and counselors in San Diego and the differential, right? So in San Diego, in San Diego Unified School District, let Mm -hmm. me just say it that way, 67% of the students are non-white. Yet mm-hmm. 77% of the teachers are white. And it is, there's studies showing that representation within the teachers and counselors helps the students' confidence. It helps their grades. It helps all of these things because students can see themselves reflected in something beyond that moment. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't recognize it, like consciously, they recognize it subconsciously. So I want to go back to your quote because it's so, so unbelievably true in regards to when you see yourself, you know that you belong anywhere and everywhere. Thanks so I want to always want to give people the opportunity to say any last words, anything that we have, because I, I don't write questions down. We just have a conversation because it's yeah. the best thing. But I want to give you the opportunity to say anything that maybe we didn't touch on or anything that you want to make sure you get in. No, I, I think we touched on almost everything. The only thing I'll say is, mi gente, be kind, 
you know, enjoy life and please join us back for otro chismecito. Hopefully I'll be back sharing something new. Yes, <laughs> yes. When you have something new, definitely come back. Mi gente, go check out Luis's information. I'm going to have all the links in the show notes. And until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Chisme on our website, thewineandchismepodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at The Wine and Chisme on Instagram and at The Wine and Chisme Podcast on Facebook. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Chisme, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, saludos.